So and Number, actually, there's, there's something else I want to bring up about this too that I forgot. So you can say whatever you want. <laughs> but I'm happy to take the floor and dominate the microphone. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I got nothing. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast. Today, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most, it's the Thrilla in Manila. Ian, welcome to the program, sir. Please talk directly to the mic. Hey, how's it going? All right. If you guys stick around at the end of the show, Ian and I will share with you the most expensive marketing tactic in any business, possibly the most profitable, as well as a new guru-level productivity tip, tip for Mac users are there any pc users left in the lifestyle here here at the tropical mba we're like 90 percent mac yeah that's kind of the that's kind of what's going on so i'm looking at your mac right now and there's blood all over it yeah took a spill today yeah i took a spill all right let's not talk about it robert wrote to us (laughs) he says i've been listening to the podcast for a few months and they rock i recently filed or started my LLC and I've got a decision to make. He wants to know whether he's going to go with cash or accrual base accounting. Well, Robert, first off, thank you for trusting us or even considering to ask us such a technical question. By the way, none of the advice we give out on the Lifestyle Business Podcast is actual advice or accounting advice or legal advice or anything like that. No, of course, this is purely hypothetical and for your entertainment purposes only robert's got a sales page up at auditzen.com great domain robert he wants to know cash or accrual tricky question robert i think you've got to have your finger on the pulse of both of them so uh the way it's been described to me before if you are on a cash basis uh you basically record as you get the cash so that can be a little bit deceiving because uh, let's say you bring in your receivables all at one time in January, it could look like you have a good month when really you didn't do any business. Uh, Accrual, on the other hand, you record uh, as it happens. And you really need, and and that has its disadvantages as well, Um, but you really need a mix of the two. So when you're looking at your receivables and your payables and your cash, you kind of mix it all together. You need a combination of both. You probably, uh, when you first file for a business, my guess, I don't know. Start with cash. Start with cash, end up at accrual. At a certain point, they're going to push you into accrual. But here's the thing, and here's what Ian does in our business, is that you have to do both. You have to be both looking at we have a cash balance spreadsheet, and we're, we're, we're projecting out our cash flow over the months. So either way, you have to have some kind of brain share spreadsheet that gives you um, sort of the perspective that both cash and accrual accounting systems excel at. So that, for us, is a, is a sort of a spreadsheet that we've developed um, but yeah, I think the short answer is go with cash at the beginning and then start projecting out and that'll look a little accrually. So eventually your accountant will push you in to accrual. Thank you, Robert. All right, we got a question from, let's see here. Rick. Rick Fernandez. He says, Dan, I've lived in the Philippines for three years. Uh, let's give the shoutsies. From creativeblocks.com. Creative Blocks. Three years in the Philippines, 
Met his wife, had a couple kids, but the gig ended and had to come home to Los Angeles. And now they're dreaming of coming back to the promised land, the Republic of the Philippines. Any tips on how to make a lifestyle business work if you have a wife and kids? Risks aren't a problem when you're single, like you jerks. Well, here's the thing, Rick. None of the advice we give on this podcast pertains to wives or kids. Because <laughs> we don't have either. Yeah, we have each other, Rick. <laughs> All right. Do you guys know any other listeners with young families who made it work? Short answer, yeah. We know tons of, of, of families. I mean, tons. David over at Greenback Taxes. Yeah, I mean, we could. there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of hands raise here's the thing so a couple things about your question number one is like um when when people say benefits you know the benefits of having a job uh you know medical and 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 i think it really makes sense to sort of flesh those out in dollar figures what precisely those benefits are you know we already made the disclaimer we don't have kids um one thing we're seeing uh we have a short list here is that ensuring that your family's opted in and have a similar mindset sometimes one family member gets gets this clever idea that they want to run around the world and the rest of the family is like, yo, that wasn't part of the deal. And so that can be an issue. That's a hairy issue. I don't know how to do anything about that. Number four, I think, is the biggest point, Rick, is that cash solves everything. You know, yeah, it's a little bit more expensive to, to have uh, more people in the boat. It, it raises your belt line and increases the amount of runway that you need. But if, if you got a cash-flowing business... It doesn't seem to be that tough, at least from the buddies that I know that are bringing their families around. It's it's the cash issue that really counts. And so what we would, you know, push anybody in this situation to ask themselves is, number one, what are the real risks of starting a business? And I think it, it's worth writing those down and making them explicit. And number two, you know, if you want to come to a place like the Philippines, it makes sense to develop a strategic plan, ideally started in the United States so that you can start to prove the concept before you take on those risks. Runway. We're talking about runway. We're talking about if I wanted to move my family to the Philippines, I would be on the war path about small to medium enterprise outsourcing to this country. I'd probably be writing a blog about it. I'd be doing case studies. I'd be interviewing people and I'd be looking to open up the ever popular or the, the elusive anchor account. Now, an anchor account would be a company that say, say they have 10 phone service agents, or they've got five data crunchers, or they've got 15 graphic designers. I would be going to those types of enterprises in the United States with a pilot program and say, you guys need to move this crap to the Philippines, and let's start with 10 seats. That 10 seats, man, that's going to be the ticket. That's going to be the ticket that gets you here and keeps you here. Yeah, I've heard of people taking uh, anywhere from 5 to 20% to set that up to flow through a corporation you set up in the Philippines. So it could be pretty lucrative. Could happen. Anyway, thanks for the question, Rick, man. Uh, and good luck to you. And let us know about your progress. And let us know if we can help. We got a lot of shouts today. We got five stars on iTunes. Three times over. Wow. Uh, listening is like downloading small business knowledge into my head, the Matrix style. Brian says, when my former favorite podcast went missing in action, can you guess who it might be? I bet it's Automate My Small Business. Those guys, I don't know where, what, what happened. You think so? I, I like that podcast. I stumbled on this podcast and I'm better for it. Not only do they teach you a lot 
about how to create and grow your business, but it's down to earth. That's because we're not that smart. And Dan and Ian make you feel like you're having a lot of fun while you're doing it. Booyah. Booyah. And finally, Maddie says, hey, guys, I really enjoy the weekly podcast. Keep producing informative and real content. It's been a huge help, Rich in Kansas City. All right, thanks, everybody, for leaving those reviews. We know it's not that easy to go into iTunes and do it, and we really appreciate it. Today's Meat and Potatoes is about the most expensive marketing strategy in your business and possibly the most profitable. It's definitely been the most profitable marketing strategy of all time in our business. So wait, it's the most expensive and the most profitable? Yeah. All right. That I'm makes sense to though. hear this. It's like one of those things when people say, you know, people are like, hey, how do I get to number one in Google rankings? And you're like, well, you could, you know, do all these fun little things and you could do a couple games and pay some money and then cross your fingers. Or you could do real SEO and generate great content. And everybody's like, Ugh. it's right. like, well, that's going to get you the number one rank, you know? And, and so it's similar with this in marketing. And what we're going to call the most expensive marketing strategy is, would you like to do the reveal? Drum roll, please. The importance of a body of work. That's correct. We're going to talk about body of work today. First, in our two-part episode, we're going to talk about what a body of work is and the precise elements of it that make it useful and valuable in your business. And then we're going to talk about four quick ways not quick, but four ways to get started down the war path of creating one for yourself. You're such a uh, you're such a radio personality. Everything's got to be quick, fast, amazing, amazing, amazing. Everything's amazing. People say you're so American. <laughs> 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 All right. Examples of a body of work include a portfolio, a group of satisfied customers who have a platform in order to speak about you, a consistent blog, maybe a video. A, a video podcast, right? Yes. A, a vlog, as the kids call them nowadays. Um, anything that demonstrates that you are consistent, repetitive, in it to win it. All right, number one benefit of the body of work is the legibility of what you do to your audience. And this comes back to the fact that, man, people don't care about what you do. People don't know about what you do. And... In order to make things legible, you have to repeat yourself, oh, you know, a couple hundred times. Yeah, at least. I at mean, least. for a year, two, maybe even more. Yeah, that's the whole thing. The number two benefit of having a body of work is the transferability of your ideas. I mean, people can't pass on your idea unless they're really clear on what it is that your idea is. And again, that has to do with repetition. Right, so you could say it five, six, seven, eight times in different ways, the same ways for the next year or two. Do you know who Chet Holmes is, author of The Ultimate Sales Machine? I do. I was watching some old school gangster videos of Chet Holmes on YouTube, thanks to Ed Stapleton Jr. Did you you didn't meet Ed yet? I haven't met Ed. Ed's super cool. I hope to see you. Ed, man, I want to see you in September. I'm going to be in New York City. Let's meet up, man. Ed sends me some cool stuff from time to time. Chet Holmes is a gangster wearing like a three thousand dollar suit. With a coffee mug, like old school mug in his hand. I think he knows karate too, right? He probably knows karate. Yeah. He's absolutely just rocking it out. And one of the things that he said, he said, repetition is the key to your success. And I keep thinking about this time and time again. Number three, the benefit is you're going to have precedent case studies in your business. 
So people are gonna be able to look at what you've done in the past and they're gonna know that they can model that in the future. You know, it's like someone can say, um, I'm the greatest copywriter in the world and like, look what I just did, right? And you have to decide at that moment whether or not to believe them. Now, imagine if that person told you that every day for the last year and you saw them create those results and maybe they're less explosive than like the really high flyer guy, but you've seen it happen, transpire so many times that you trust it. Right. We all know examples of marketers like this that they're not maybe, maybe they don't have the best product. Like maybe they're not the person that knows the most, but they've done it so consistently that you just know if you hire them, it's going to get done. It's going to be a solid hit. It's going to, yeah. It's going to be a solid base hit. You're going to be on base in a position to steal second. Right. Exactly. Number four, here's the thing. Um, the body of work, the repetition is where the innovation really comes from. You can't innovate on an industry if you're just flirting with it, if you're just showing up for the cocktail hour. Right. I mean, you know, in, in, in some of the industries you're in, you know, you're designing for, Ian, you've been designing for these things for three years, pounding the pavement, shaking hands, and only now are we really getting sort of innovative with some of the stuff that we're doing. So I think real innovation requires that expertise that repetition and body of work bring. I agree 100%. Am I repeating myself enough here already? There's a lot of repetition in your innovation. There's a lot of repetition in this episode. Number five, <laughs> here's a bonus tip. Um, all this repetition and body of work doesn't count for jack squat unless you can answer clearly the question of what is it that you do? What would you say you do here? Hmm. For the longest time when people asked me what I did, I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. You know how the conversation went. It was awful. I'm, then, I was like confused about what I did until like a couple years ago. I'm So so, so then we, it goes to this intern thing. People are like, well, what do you mean? Well, what do you, oh, yeah, and yeah, and, and, and it was awful. What we found is that with the intern thing, it was so illegible, it was so unclear that not only could we not explain it to people, but then those people could not explain it to people. So we didn't get the benefit of what we're talking about here, which is the transferability of your ideas. So if you're gonna repeat something over and over again, you have to have a clear message. Right. So our new clear message became, what do you guys do? We help train people become lifestyle entrepreneurs by inviting them to the Philippines and teaching them how to make money from their laptops. Where's the buy now button? So let's talk about four, what are we gonna call these? We're gonna call these uh, approaches or strategies while you develop your body of work. You gotta develop your body of work. Your business has a body of work whether or not you know it. That's right. That sounds like something Chet would say. Why don't you, why don't you kick us off here? We've got four strategies for creating a body of work. The first one I'm gonna kick it off with is do the work in front of them. If you don't have a, and this is especially good if you don't have a body of work to start with, you've got a new business, you're looking for ways to show uh, that you know what the heck you're talking about. Yeah. You're actually gonna create the work in front of them. You're gonna do the work in front of them. You know, you know what I, this is like the kind of like a portfolio approach as well. How many times have you like looked to hire a graphic designer on like a freelance basis and you're like, oh yeah, show me your portfolio. And they show you like four like half done product yes. projects. And it's like, 
really? That's what you're rocking with? And it's like, by the way, what's in your portfolio can be anything that you generate on your friggin' computer. Like, it's not like you needed to have it signed by the president or something to get right. it in there. And I always think, like, this, this is the difference between, like, the freelance attitude and the entrepreneur attitude. Because the entrepreneur, like, drinks coffee for a week and puts out seven concepts into that portfolio. Yeah, when we were first getting started in some of the manufacturing stuff, we just used to render out models yeah. in SolidWorks and uh, basically cool? create pretty pictures and say, wouldn't this be cool and act like there were projects we were working on? What? I mean, we actually were working on them, but they weren't for any client. And right. that's why your portfolio has four half-assed projects in it. All right, number two. One of, the, one of the techniques that I am so proud of, really, that we brought up a bunch of times, and I want to bring it up again, is inventorying your market's anxieties and then jamming out useful content targeted at those anxieties for a full day and then trickling out that content over the course of a fiscal quarter or similar time frame. What? Yep, that's what we did. We really pulled together 12 anxieties that outsourcing to the Philippines clients or target market would have. And the cool thing is, is a lot of this stuff is ready at hand. It doesn't necessarily need to be super intense. Like, hey, how do I get a visa? You know, that was one of our most popular posts at that blog was, how do I get an outbound ticket? That's our target market, man. Right. How about how do I have fun once I'm in the Philippines? You know, where should I go on vacation? Same people that are target market, they want to know about that stuff too. We can jam out content in a course of five minutes for that particular anxiety. And it helps to start a conversation with the market as well. So not only did we inventory the problems, we discussed them, and then we opened up the floor for conversation. Yeah, and by having 25 freaking posts about all this stuff, people began to trust us as people. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily uh, an expert at outsourcing the Philippines. I was somebody in the Philippines talking about it. But because I was doing the work in front of them and inventorying the anxieties and actually addressing them, I was the guy that they were contacting. We're talking about the importance of a body of work not being an expert yet. All right, number three hack to generating this body of work, we're going to call it commentary. Because we understand that the creative work um, it can be quite difficult. It's not easy, you know, we're not bagging on the portfolio guy, especially if you're doing hard goods. It's tough to build up that original work. So how about you piggyback the work of others by providing commentary, insight, and filtering of work that already exists. Good example of this, uh, we brought it up before, Dustin Curtis commented and actually did a mock-up of American Airlines site, got him a lot of publicity. He didn't have, I don't know if he had a huge portfolio at the time, but you know what? He didn't even need a body of work practically when he did this because he commented and he got traction on this huge website, uh, and now he's uh, you know, doing pretty well, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, one, Derek Halpern from Social Triggers uh, happened to be an expert, so he, he built up an expertise about how to lay out websites and make them convert. So he then went around the blogosphere and analyzed people's blogs for them and told them what was wrong and what was right. And this is an approach that could even work for a new person that goes away for a few months and really studies one thing in particular, like buy now buttons. Buy now buttons are up for a revolution, especially for bloggers. I'm sick of using the old Ryan Dice button from like four years ago. Someone do some studies on that. Come to bloggers and then even if you're a new person, your body of work, your commentary goes out on all different kinds of blogs around the blogosphere. Your new buy now button goes out there, right? And um, you become this person that has like instant authority because you're going to guys that have a much more established track record and you're helping to define their work for them. Exactly, so your commentary actually becomes your initial body of work. There you go. And number four, finally, a little bit of a pep talk, maybe. 
Let me guess. Let me guess. It's clever. It's 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 late. Here's the thing. Number four, strategy. Actually do the work. So there's two elements to this. Number one is having emotional grit. You gotta be a badass, right? You have to be dedicated to serving others. You can't be pansying around about what you want and what you feel like this day. That's not a pro. Gotta be worried about serving your market, right? That's right. All right, so the second element to this is focus. And one of the ways, one of the things I've been sort of thinking about a lot, Ian, is a lot of people, they're so scared to focus. They're so scared to commit to something. Like, I don't wanna work at that one thing. You know, I don't wanna work on buying out buttons for the next six months, Dan. You know, that's, that sucks. So what I would suggest is that you, you know, have a broad range of inputs. You know, I don't think you should hold yourself to such a high standard with what books you read. Read whatever books look awesome to you, you know? It's like the whole Steve Jobs thing where he learned about calligraphy and all of a sudden that works its way into the Mac. The same thing happens when you're working on buy now buttons. Go go look at Leonardo paintings and stuff and, and you know, read awesome literature. And then when you are ready to export or when you're ready to be a pro, put out that commentary, put out that work on something focused so it can be legible, consistent, repetitive, we can trust you, buy your stuff, you become loaded and rich, you'll buy a Ferrari, have a happy and successful life. That's how this stuff works, right? I think that's exactly how it works. Ferrari. Yeah. Buy now buttons. It's all based on the importance of a body of work. Yeah. There, There it is. All right. I think we've beat this horse. Let's get moving on to just the tips. Eric Dubbs from bedphones.com here at the Tropical MBA told me about better touch tool for the Mac. This is for my, my, my nerds out there, people who love the Gmail shortcuts if you've already adopted that. This is the next ninja level. Um, it solves a big problem um, for people who are used to using supplementary monitors but have going down to the laptop which is you want to have a reference screen on the side. We're getting really niche here. We're getting super niche, but but this is this is hugely impactful. You can take your browser and automatically maximize it or toss it to the top of your screen or to the right of your screen or to the left of your screen and then toggle with just a few simple shortcuts, really easy to set up. So that's better touch tool. It's a light app that runs on your finder. And finally, we're going to play you guys out with a track from John Mayer's new record. We love John Mayer for his work ethic and for his songs. And I'm jealous of the guy, frankly. So this is something like Olivia. And this is something like the end of the podcast. We'll see you next Thursday. Woo, it's been a long day. And a booyah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. There's only one man in this world who gets to sleep with a bias side. There's only one man in this world who gets to Sleep with her by his side I'm thinking something like Olivia could keep me through the night
<laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> what are we doing here? Come on, come on, come on. We can start from the top. No. No, no. <laughs>